0: Hello, and welcome back to the SAKIS Podcast. Today's episode is going to look a little bit different than our regular content as we're rolling out a new quarterly-themed podcast, Feminist Friday. And for these episodes, I am very excited to announce that I will be joined by a member of our staff from our satellite office in Robinson and feminist and history enthusiast, Rachel. Um, So, Rachel, would you like to go ahead and introduce yourself?
1: Sure, yeah. So, um, my name is Rachel Carter. I... I am the Administrative Specialist for Prevention and Volunteer Services. Um, I've been with CASA, which is the satellite office name. I've been here just over four and a half years. And like you said, I'm a history enthusiast, a feminist history enthusiast. I have been really, weirdly enough, I hated the history in (laughs) high school. And um, I found out how much of it I had not really been told full truth about it made me angry so um that's actually i kind of accidentally became a history fan and i wouldn't call myself a professional historian by any means (laughs) but it is just a fun little hobby that i enjoy and it's really cool to get to utilize it at my job
0: right yeah so would you like to tell us what Feminist Friday is like, what are we doing? How to start? Because you started it, yeah, stuff,
1: right, yeah. Um, and weirdly enough, I had really not seen the hashtag used before I started. Now I'm not saying I'm a trendsetter. <laughs> maybe maybe a bit of a trendsetter (laughs) um so you know um actually before this job um of course you've seen the hashtags like throwback thursday Mm -hmm. woman crush wednesday that sort of thing well um before i worked here um you know there's always a lot of negativity on social media and i had a couple little hashtags i did for fun um wet dog wednesday which was (laughs) pictures of Wet Dogs and Fat Cat Friday, which is pictures of fat cats inspired by my own fat cat, Luna. Um, And so when I got here, you know, I stopped doing those because life just happened. I got a new job. Mm -hmm. And um, a few months into the job, I I just thought, you know, I want to I want to find a way to highlight women from history that have done incredible things for not just the movement, but for humanity in general for the world in general and um and and of course as you know as probably a lot of the listeners know um that's not always easy to find and so I wanted something I wanted to find a way to share these incredible women and I asked our director at the time I said hey I have this idea you know every Friday I highlight a woman from history and she was like go for it Mm -hmm. and um and I did for a while and then um funding is right a whole thing Uh, (laughs) yeah Um, so I kind of had to step back for a little bit and, um, I'm really excited to be bringing it back, um, Mm -hmm. as a blog style, which I think will fit better. Um, some of those Facebook posts got long. Yeah. Um, this will be a bit more, I think this will be a bit more, um, palatable for people. Right.
0: (laughs) And now they won't have to go back and like sift through all these posts to find your old ones. They could hopefully like go to the blog and click on, you know, which ones they want to read and stuff. And they'll be able to listen to podcasts.
1: Yeah, I know. (laughs) I'm excited about that.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Um, so I guess because some people may not have such a good understanding, can you just kind of give us a broad overview, or if you want to go into more detail, you can, of what feminism is.
1: Okay. Uh, feminism, I'll, I'll say what feminism is to me because, mm-hmm. um, feminine, there is no official definition for feminism, right. which I have issues with, but that's a different <laughs> podcast. Um, so for me, feminism is really about choice. Um, mm-hmm. it's about equality and it's about choice. Um, as, a, as women, we haven't always, not just women, but people of color, um, people in the queer community, uh, transgender people, we don't always have choices. Um, recently, SCOTUS tried to take away one of our choices. Yeah. Um, and I won't get into that right now, but because um, we don't need that anger, <laughs> first thing. Um, but, um, you know, it's about having the choice, the choice to get married, To have children, to choose how many children you have, to choose to work, to choose to stay at home, um, to choose to be seen as equal to the men in the society um, who have constantly been in power, and that's not me dogging on men, there's some great men in power, but there's there's plenty of great women who can be in power too and are in power now thank goodness yeah um but yeah for me feminism has always stood for choice i've been for all the issues we have these days i'm very lucky to have a lot of choices that i've been supported on you know i've chosen not to get married i've chosen not to have children and i've been very supported in that with my friends and family and um and if not for the work of the the first wave second wave third wave current wave feminists, I wouldn't have those choices. And so that's the special thing about feminism for me is the the choice. We get to choose who we are and how we live. Um, and then of course equality, but, um, getting into the, uh, the nitty gritty of the wording and stuff. That's once again, that's another podcast.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I like what you said. It is hard to pin down feminism because It's so expansive
1: and there's so much it
0: could include and does include.
1: And and I would even extend that to say at, at our organization, I would imagine a lot of us identify as intersectional feminists. Yeah. You know, where it's not just about choices for women, it's about choices for people of color, the queer community, all of that. Because um, you know, we're all human beings. We all have desires and dreams and hopes, and we all have a right to try and achieve those desires. And even if those dreams are just to have a couple kids and a nice job and a white picket fence. Yeah, that's nothing okay. wrong with that. Mm-hmm yeah with that
0: being said it is really important to highlight mm. the women and people who have worked to make choices more available yes and more possible yes. um like you said sometimes it's discouraging because uh we seem to go back in time but
1: um, it's, it's like that paula abdul song uh two steps forward two steps back right
0: um, but that doesn't mean that we can't keep working and that we can't highlight the work of the people that have come right, before us. Right. So with that being said, who are we highlighting today?
1: <sighs> I'm so excited. So we are highlighting one of my most favoriteest people from history. Um, her name is Sojourner Truth. And Sojourner Truth was a woman who was born into slavery, who not only gained freedom for herself, but for her children. And went on to support abolition, to support suffrage, um, was really just an incredible first wave feminist and one that I think also helps highlight some of the issues we've had in the movement since the beginning that still unfortunately are here today. Mm-hmm. She was an incredible woman and nobody knows who she I'd never heard of her till I started this job. And I... Honestly, like, I fell in love, if you will. She's an incredibly strong, intelligent, excellent speaker. Um, Well, her speeches sound great. Um, uh, Unfortunately, we do not have actual audio of her speeches. (laughs) Um, But she was from the uh, 1800s. She was actually born between 1797 and 1800. Unfortunately, we don't have um, specific records on that because we don't have specific records on enslaved people in general and that's a really sad really sad thing just as from a historical perspective to lose that that information on the kinds of people they were um where they came from specifically in africa Mm -hmm. when they were brought here that sort of thing
0: yeah so can you start i guess by giving us just an overview of maybe her early life like you said there might not be much yeah
1: so her early life um there, like I said, there's not a ton. she was born in what is called Svartkill, New York, which is just mm-hmm. north of present day Rifton, And um, Svartekil is a very Dutch word. Yeah. And there's a reason for that. A lot of at that time, a lot of um, the East Coast, uh, but New York specifically, mm-hmm. was um, it, it was populated with Dutch people, Dutch uh, immigrants and Dutch ancestors. Yeah. And um, so she was born in New York. She was born into slavery and they don't know if she had nine or 11 siblings. They don't know what her parents' names were. I mean, we just don't have a lot of information. I do know between the years of 1806 and 1810, when she was nine-ish, seven to nine years old, um, she was sold three times, Mm -hmm. um, several of them being very physically abusive um, slave owners. And I don't know a better way to say slave owner, um, unfortunately.
0: Well, it's a terrible thing. So there is a better way. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Right. Um, Why put lipstick on a pig? Right. Um, But so she ended up, after being sold three times, she ended up in West Park, New York, with a man named John Dumont. And this was a bad time for Sojourner, um, which, by the way, at this point, she was born Isabella Baumfree.
0: Okay. Now,
1: many um, enslaved people, they were given the last name of their owners. Oh, okay. So um, this was this was mo- most likely the name of her slave owner, uh, slave master, whatever you call him. Yeah. Um, so she was with Dumont. Dumont, um, he sexually assaulted her quite a bit, which this, unfortunately, is not a new story in yeah. terms of how enslaved women were treated um so in fact in 1815 she would give birth to his child oh wow and which sadly enough that is the same year she fell in love with another enslaved man named robert who was owned by somebody different and because robert's owner did not want them to be together because if she gave birth to a child of robert's robert's Mm -hmm. owner would not have any say to that property i i used air quotes there folks (laughs) so um he actually was taken from her he was moved and um he died a few years later and she never saw him again so um she did end up getting married to another enslaved man named thomas and she had three more children peter elizabeth and sophia so that's pretty much her early life her enslaved life Mm -hmm. um not great i would imagine bits of happiness in there you know with thomas with her children um, even even her child through DeMont, um, because she still cared for that child. You know, yeah. it was still her baby. Mm-hmm. So little shots of light in a pretty dark time. Yeah. But um interestingly, in 1799, New York actually established what is called, what was called the Gradual Emancipation Law of 1799. Now it was called gradual yeah. for a reason. Um Basically, by the time the law really, by, every, by the time everything was really settled with the law, it wasn't until 1827 that many enslaved people in New York became free. Sojourner was actually promised by Dumont he would release her a year early, but then he went back on his promise. So, in late 1826, she took her youngest, Sophia, who was an infant and she left she she says she did not run but she walked with dignity <laughs> away from it and i love that yeah. um, now she couldn't take her other children because due to this gradual law which i i called it previously a loophole but it's not actually a loophole it's written in the it's legislation
0: they, they meant it like this. they
1: meant it this way so children who were born after july 4th 1799 they gained their freedom, air quotes again, but they were still bound as servants until, I believe for women, it was until they were 25, and for men, it was until they were 28. So they were free, but they weren't free. That's so interesting to me. Yeah. And yeah. they were
0: saying like servants and
1: slaves. Like, yes. Was
0: it the same thing, do you know, or was it?
1: Really from what I've seen, and I haven't researched it in depth, but from the little bit I've seen... It was basically the same as slavery. Yeah. I mean, it's not like I saw a lot of records of people paying their now mm. servants and all that yeah. stuff. So they were just, it was a name change and that was it. <laughs> you yeah. can call it a lateral move, right. if you will. And like you said, like
0: gradual. Yeah. yeah absolutely. Because that was 1799, 1799. And it wasn't completed until 1827. That's almost 30 years. Right.
1: Right. That's crazy. That's that's over a full Zendaya. length of time (laughs) um so so she left and she was actually taken in by a couple called their names were isaac and maria van wagenen or Mm -hmm. probably van wagenen to be correct and they actually air quotes again they purchased truth services they basically paid her owner dumont Mm twenty dollars and she was free of him and she was technically owned by the van wagenens but they didn't they didn't make her work. They said, right. "Stay here, take care of your baby, wait until you can get your children."
0: Yeah, it was just kind of a move to get her out of ownership from doing right,
1: right, mm-hmm. absolutely. So, um, so you know a lot. And, and by the way, I'd like to point out that that twenty dollars they paid in eighteen twenty six today that is four hundred and ninety nine dollars and sixty five cents. It's crazy to me, yeah. like the inflation, <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. Money, but also the fact that we were paying just $500 for people for a
1: human life Yeah, for a human life. That's terrible. Even for today. Yeah. Even for today. Um, so, so that was, that was kind of really, that was a really good thing for her. So she became fully emancipated in 1827 due to the law. Yeah. Well, she found out that her son, Peter had been, um, he had been loaned out air quotes Mm -hmm. again by Dumont to, um, another slave owner. Well, this slave owner illegally sold Peter to hmm. another slave owner in Alabama. And of course, Sojourner's very upset, yeah. uh, as one should be. I believe he was five years old oh, wow. when this happened. So she actually went to the New York Supreme Court. She's, this is, she went under the name Isabella von Wagenen, you know. Right. Um, so she went to the New York Supreme Court and she filed suit against Peter's owner, whose name was Solomon Gedney. It took months, but by 1828, she won her case. It was the first time a black person of any gender won a case of this kind against a white slave owner.
0: Hmm.
1: Fun fact, the New York State Archives just back in February of this year, found the records to that court case.
0: Oh, wow. They
1: actually, yep, they actually found those records. They know exactly what happened. That's how we know that she went under the name Isabella von Wagner. Yeah. Um, just a few months ago found this. And that's kind of the beauty of archives is, is those little fun surprises where, because all the backup. I won't get into that, folks. Um, I, I am also a, uh, my bachelor's degree is in library We'll, so. have, we'll have a
0: separate one where we'll <laughs>
1: just talk about archives. Just talk about archives and, and how much fun they are. Right. So that was a huge groundbreaking moment right there of hers. Mm-hmm. Um, it, one of many. <laughs> so it was, a, she, you know, did some work. She worked as housekeeper for several years. Mm-hmm. And by 1843, um, she actually had a really kind of religious epiphany if you will. And sh- this is when she changed her name from Isabella von Wagner to Sojourner Truth. And this was because she said the spirit of God was telling her to preach the truth. And this is where she really became the speaker that, that is so famous, the, the right. abolitionist, the suffragette. Mm-hmm. Um, this is really where the woman we know today really emerged and she traveled the country. She worked with people like Frederick Douglass, William Lloyd Garrison, who actually would publish her memoirs a few years later. And th- those memoirs are called The Narrative of Sojourner Truth, A Northern Slave. And I keep highlighting the fact that she was a northern slave for a reason that we're going to get into here in a few minutes. Okay. Um, in fact, I, I'm coming right up on it. <laughs> I'm just barreling towards it. So um, in 1850, this is where she gave her, or 1851, I'm sorry. This is where she gave her very famous Ain't I a Woman speech. Yeah. And (laughs) I have a lot of problems with the narrative around this speech. I'm not saying it was bad speech. Um, Right. I'm not saying that. But the thing is, the speech that we know today is most likely not at all the speech she gave that day. Right. And this was at the uh, first National Women's Rights Convention in Worcester, Massachusetts. And I have a few issues with the one... See, there are two versions of the speech. Mm -hmm. There is a version that was written a week or two after she gave the speech. And this was written by Reverend Marius Robinson. And it was published in the Anti-Slavery Bugle. And this person, this... Um, it was a pastor, correct? Yes, yes. They Reverend, were present. Yes, they were present at the They speech. were there. Mm-hmm. They were there. Um, well, interestingly, the other person who wrote it was there as well. Uh, her name was Frances Dana Barker Gage, and she is a fairly well-known uh, first uh, suffragette herself. Mm-hmm. But her version was written in 1863, so which years. is 12 years <laughs> after the actual speech. Now, weirdly enough, Frances Gage was one of the organizers of the convention. So you'd think (laughs) she would record it it properly. Right. Um, But it's Gage's account that is the most famous. Mm -hmm. Um, So this is why I have, here are a few reasons why I have issues with this. Well, first off, there's that time gap. Yeah, I don't know about you,
0: but I my
1: memory's not that good. No,
0: I'm not going to be able to go home and transcribe this uh, conversation afterwards, right? And in twelve years, no idea,
1: <laughs> right? No idea. Exactly. Exactly. Twelve minutes from now, I'm not going to know exactly what I said. <laughs> yeah, and I said it, so there's my first problem. The second problem is, and and you guys can go online to the SojournerTruthProject dot com, all one word. Mm-hmm. Um, you can go there and you can compare these two speeches. So Gage's account, the one from 1863 is written in what we like, what what we like to, let me say that again, what we think of as the Southern slave dialect that, you know, I'm not even going to do it. Kind of racist anyways. (laughs) Very racist, very ignorant sounding. If I will, if I can say that. Um,
0: yeah, this is
1: not at all how truth spoke. Once again, she was born in New York. Yeah. She was born in an area that was pop. She did not speak English. She only spoke Dutch until she was nine years old. Yeah. So she did not have that she accent. She probably didn't have yeah, a Southern accent at No, all. no Southern accent. Different. It was a very heavy Dutch accent. Everything you read about how she spoke, other than the speech, mm-hmm. is, she had a Dutch accent. Mm-hmm. And I do a very poor Dutch accent. I have tried, so I will <laughs> not give you an example. Yeah. Um, so, so she never spoke like that. And to me, that, the reason that bothers me so much is because that is a very, first off, it's a stereotype. It is. Yeah. I hate stereotypes. Second off, that really denotes that Gage found, not found, but Gage thought of Sojourner Truth, who did not have a formal education, could not read, could not write. And even back then, we tend to associate not having formal education as being unintelligent, as right. being stupid, if you will. Truth was not a stupid woman. Right. She may not be able to read and write, but that doesn't mean she can't think. You don't win your first uh,
0: ever court case Ooh. against the <laughs> against a Supreme Court or a state court um, as a black woman in the seventeen eighteen hundreds if you're an idiot.
1: Right? Absolutely. Um, Gage's, the, the version of Gage's speech says that Truth saw all 13 of her children sold into slavery. Records show she only had five. The four I've mentioned, and then she had one who died in, uh, in infancy. Right. That's it. She never boasted or bragged about having more than that. Um, the other interesting thing is Gage actually wrote a little write-up. She didn't write the full speech, but she did a write-up of the convention, a few days afterwards and in her original statement she said that true speech was met with a great reception people loved it she got all kinds of cheers and this is supported by several other contemporary reports of the time Mm -hmm. but when she rewrote this bit in 1863 she was saying that truth was booed and hissed and people threw things at her and and honestly all of this stuff I've said shows that Gage was using this speech as a form of manipulation. Yeah. And racist manipulation on top of that. Mm-hmm. Um I believe when Gage wrote this 1863 version, I think she was trying to help further the cause. She was trying to show, you know, cuz cuz her version of the speech is very powerful. I will give it, her that. Yeah. But I think she was trying to say like look at how these people treated this poor former slave black woman. Yeah, this but- uneducated black woman. Yeah. But none of no, people supported her. People loved her speaking. I mean, she traveled all over the country for years before this and years after this. Yeah. And it's not helpful in any no. way for
0: advancement of rights, advancement of feminism and equality, um, to right.
1: victimize absolutely. black absolutely. people or people of color. Yeah, absolutely. That's- And, and it was, and I also think it was her way of, cause she was a Northern, Gage was a Northern woman. And ever since the civil war, there's always been this sense of like people North of the Mason Dixon line being like, look at us. Mm -hmm. We didn't have slaves. Well, we did have slaves. We just got rid of them sooner. So get off your high horse. But this, this, this notion that because in the North, we got rid of slaves sooner, we're, we're more intelligent, we're, yeah. we're better than. And just like you said, that's not going to advance any cause, whether mm-hmm. it be women's rights, civil rights, whatever. Yeah. Um, so I, I just, I have, a, and that's just the tip of my rant iceberg, but um, we, we only have so much time. <laughs> Um, but like I said, go to the Sojourner Truth Project.com and look these speeches up. They compare them side by side. And while the Gage version, the, the 1863 version, is very powerful, I think that the original or the closest to the original from Reverend Marius Robinson is just as powerful, is just mm-hmm. as good. And she, it just highlights, like I said, she may not have had a formal education, but she no. was an intelligent woman. I just want people to know that not every slave... And I would imagine a lot of slaves were not the dumb, you know, not even the slaves, but, um, but white people too, you know, human beings are complex Mm -hmm. and to narrow them down to just one or two things, whether it's how they talk, their, their intelligence, whatever, that is a disservice to human beings in general. Right. But minoritized humans, especially. (laughs) So that's that's a little tiny bit of my rant about her speeches. Um, now, she, like I said, after this, she continued to, um, to go around the country, speak on civil rights and women's rights and things like that. She also, during the Civil War, recruited black troops into the Union Army. Her own grandson enlisted with the 54th Massachusetts Regiment. After the war, she was part of the National Freedmen's Relief Association to improve conditions for newly freed Black citizens.
0: Right.
1: She was invited to the White House by Abraham Lincoln. Got to meet Abraham Lincoln. Um, She, (laughs) I love this. Uh While in Washington, she only rode in whites-only streetcars to show her disdain and disgust for segregation. Mm. Does that sound familiar? Yeah. And I can name you, other than her and Rosa Parks, I can name you at least two other Black women who have uh, also done this. Mm. and. We may talk about them in the future. Yeah. So after the war, she also s- tried to secure land grants for freed slaves. Now, of course, when slavery ended, one of the deals, I don't remember <laughs> if it was legislation or how it went came about. But basically, every um, freed slave was supposed to get 40 acres and a mule. Mm. Unfortunately, this did not happen.
0: Right. Yeah.
1: Um, but she was actually one of the people who fought to try and make sure it did. I won't say she failed because the fact that she tried is a, is a triumph on its own. Yeah. Once again, in a time where not just women, but black women were, nobody wanted to listen to them. They didn't even want to acknowledge they existed. So the fact that she even tried was incredible. Um, In 1872, she tried to vote for Ulysses S. Grant, (laughs) but got turned away from the polling place. Once again, a story we've heard before. Yeah. Um, so really truth didn't just write a really great speech. She broke barriers. Yeah. Um, And and once again, she continued um, up until close to her death in 1883. She still went around the country and spoke. Um, She did pass in her home on November 26, 1883. Her funeral was attended by over a thousand people. And Frederick Douglass himself gave her eulogy. Wow. And she still, still breaks barriers. 126 years after Truth Mm. died. So in 2009, a bust of Sojourner Truth was installed at the Capitol building. This made her the very first Black person of any gender to have a statue of any kind Mm -hmm. on the Capitol. Um, There's way too many statues and works of art depicting Truth to name. She's been on stamps. There's a Mars rover that was named after her. Tons of schools and libraries named after her. Um, I mean, she is just... I, I say, you know, people—not enough people know who she is, but I mean, a, a lot of people do, and I'm so glad. But I want the whole world to know who she was because the, the, all of these things I said, she—she <laughs> she was a boss. Yeah. And and a boss in a time where women and black women especially got no respect, yeah. um, and people not just listened to her they respected her and and to think of what she had to do because this is just the big stuff when i think of the day-to-day racism she had to have endured just to get where she was and and to think that there are still black women today 2022 who still probably hear the same things she did Mm -hmm. who who deal with the same negativity the same hate and 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 the other thing about this the francis gage speech is i think that highlights how women of color have always been disregarded ignored pushed to the side in this movement and and it has i i will say it has gotten better yeah i won't say it's, it's not fixed perfect. It <laughs> no. is not, by any means but um but with women like truth and there are women like sojourner truth still going today, still doing the work today. Um, you know, Tarana Burke, the founders of Black Lives Matters, you know, these, there are still black women who are working and fighting and struggling and succeeding. Mm And I want people to know that I, I especially want black women to know that like you're not alone. Historically, there are so many women behind you, and there are gonna be so many more black women in the future who mm-hmm. are gonna continue the work, who are gonna elevate the work. And um, and as as a white woman, I want to acknowledge and respect that. And yeah. and when it's time, I want to step aside and let them talk. Mm-hmm. You know, I want to step aside and let them do podcasts like this. I want them to do feminist Friday blogs because. Because my perspective has been heard dozens yeah. of times. Mm-hmm.
0: Um,
1: and if you want it, I'll give it to you. I'm a talker. Yeah. But, but Sojourner mm-hmm. Truth is one of many examples that shows that when you step aside and let Black women speak for themselves, for the movement, that things get done. Yeah. <laughs> they do the work. And, and, and I love doing the work too. But like I said, when, I, when it's time to step aside, I'll step aside. Yeah. But that is just a tiny, tiny bit. Well, probably more than tiny. <laughs> but that's just a little bit of, of an incredible woman. There are dozens of books out there about her Um written by, you know, well, like I said, William Lloyd Garrison wrote them, um, written by other women of color, these things. I would always encourage, if you're going to read a book about a person of color, Mm -hmm. if they didn't write it themselves, try to find one that was written by another person of color, Mm -hmm. which isn't always easy. But I I always encourage that just because they understand that perspective better than someone like me could. Or a white man. Mm -hmm. So I would encourage that. But if you can't find it, any book will do. <laughs> yeah. yeah. A book is better than none. Uh, any book is better than none. But yep. once again, trained librarian, so I may be biased.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, we appreciate the resource that you are in that department. Um, and thank you so much for taking the time to go beyond the a Woman speech, because yeah. that was previous to preparing for this podcast. That was like, the knowledge that right. I had of Sojourner and Truth. Right. I didn't even know that she had a name previous, that she changed mm-hmm. her name. I didn't know about the children. I didn't know about the um, Gradual Emancipation Act. Yeah. I didn't know so many things. Mm-hmm. And I think we tend to view characters in history mm-hmm. as like not real people. Oh, absolutely. It's just like this person did this and this person did this. But yeah. these people had like, they lived everyday lives like we do where they yeah. think and they feel, and they have like little things that come up every day, yeah. like chores and housework and, yeah. and relationship things. Absolutely, And, and we can't discount the mm-hmm. lives that they lived because yeah. all we remember, all we highlight in history yeah. is this one thing that, like you said, may be portrayed through stereotypes and through mm-hmm. a lens that is not, um, not equitable mm-hmm. and not, true
1: right um, at the end of the
0: day and so it's it's important to talk about yes. these people and the lives they lived i think my favorite thing that i learned from this and from what you've said and your research ahead of time was that between the lawsuit for her son and then kind of kicking off her career as an activist like and speaker mm-hmm. ongoing she did clean houses yeah. for a while. And I think that that should be also mm-hmm. acknowledged that just because you're an activist, it doesn't mean that you're like a hundred percent always out there all the time. Right. Life, life has seasons. Life takes time. Yeah. There are going to be times that are more mundane that you don't feel yeah. like you're doing enough. That doesn't mean that, that your place in the movement. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, well, and take into account at that point, in her life in, in history, that was probably one of the only jobs she could get, Right, you know, just because of the fact that she was a black woman, yeah. um, that she was a freed slave. Um, mm-hmm. so, so, but yeah, I love that you say that, you know, we all have these mundane bits. We have chores, we have, you know, busted windows yeah. or, you know, got to got a hole in your skirt, got to fix that. And, and, those are just as incredible as the big moments. Yeah. You know, it's those part are what human lead life. To. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Those are what lead to the big moments.
0: And I think that if there's people, especially people of color and women of color out there today that want to get more involved in this work, mm-hmm. um but they feel like they're in a place where oh, I just work at an office or I just do this, my job isn't really helping mm-hmm. towards this movement. That's not true. Right. You are helping toward the movement just by being in the career you're in, and I think that there there are ways, um, whether it's like policy within your organization mm-hmm. or just um, you know being there just, for your coworkers, um, just confronting a racist right. joke.
1: Yeah. Little are things little like things, that. little opportunities, and in and any career. The beauty of this day and age, too. I mean, I imagine. What would Sojourner have been like, how could, how much more could her message have spread if she'd had Twitter? Right. (laughs) If she'd had YouTube, Mm -hmm. you know, um, those are things you can do too. You know, I understand that I've been in places where I'm like, you know, I don't have the money to travel to protests. I don't have the, the time to go to these things. You know, I have a job, I have a family, I have, um, you know, my own hobbies outside of this, Mm -hmm. you know? And look at Sojourner, little things built up and built up. And then all of a sudden she won an incredible groundbreaking court case. And then she went on speaking tours and you know, you don't have to start these things when you're 18. Yeah. You know, Sojourner Truth, of course, we don't have great records about it, but she had to have been in her thirties when she started doing all this, Mm -hmm. you know, she may have been my, I'm 36. She may have been around my age. Mm -hmm that's that's not super young that's not old either right you know yeah
0: and like you think about her legacy mm. i think just how she lived her life goes to show mm-hmm. that regardless of where you're at you're still making a difference yep. it's not like my life is so much better or worth more because i'm doing all this activist stuff and not cleaning houses right. she did both and well, it's both were were equal and her life had value at, right. at every stage.
1: And even if she hadn't been the first person to win the first black woman or black person of any gender to win this court case, even if she'd have been the 10th or the 15th or the 300th,
0: still she still would
1: have yeah. it was still groundbreaking and she was still making life better for her children mm-hmm. And that's what in the end when you're a parent, that's what matters. Yeah, I'm assuming. Once again, I'm not a parent. <laughs> I'm also not a parent. <laughs> but but maybe I'm we're know. underqualified to talk about this. <laughs> <laughs> I do know a lot of parents, yeah. and and they do they really try hard to make their kids' lives better. So right. I'm I'm just going off of uh, <laughs> observation, right? But you know, groundbreaking is is somebody's got to break that ground. But just because somebody else broke it, doesn't mean. You can't tread on it. You can't find yeah. a way to elevate it, make it better, um, right. spread it out more. So, Plant a few
0: gardens. Yeah. Grow you some know, stuff.
1: Sojourner became a fast favorite for me mm. um, just because she was, she just was so incredibly cool. Um, but that's why I love talking about women like this. And um, I talk about all the time in my personal life, my friends. I don't know how I have any friends. <laughs> <laughs> Because I'm like, uh, recently I went on a rant about all six of Henry VIII's wives to my best friend Mm. and somehow they (laughs) stayed at my house. (laughs) I just, I love speaking about inspiring women because it inspires me and I hope it inspires other people. And I hope Sojourner's journey, just this tiny little bit I've shared with people, I hope people are inspired by her like I was because she deserves all the praise. And Mm -hmm. you're going to hear me say that a lot when I'm on this podcast because... There are just so many incredible women, and I I hate that we don't learn about them in history class, yeah. but that's okay. I'll do my part to make sure they get heard of. It
0: is very white male heavy mm-hmm. in history class. Oh, classes. my God. Well, you know... Um, the connection like with intersectionality yeah there's yeah. just going to be things that women can speak to them that right.
1: and that's why i also make a point to look into women of color and not just black women mm-hmm. but you know uh I, in previous feminist friday posts i've talked about um hispanic and L- latinx women um i've spoken about uh trans women mm-hmm. um native women mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> uh asian women i mean i tried i try to look into women who run the gamut in terms of race gender spectrum uh sexual orientation all that stuff because a there those unique perspectives are important and b uh once again nobody knows who they are right. and it's not right and yeah. people should know
0: yeah <laughs> yeah well we're very very thankful that we have you to tell us
1: uh yeah i and i do apologize if i'm like about no. it but um
0: that was a weird there's... noise and
1: you may cut that out and that's fine. <laughs> I don't think there's anything wrong with it, <laughs> but I just, yeah, I love this stuff. And, and honestly, like, I've had to like hold my arms the whole time to really temper in my passion. Cause I'm a big, um, I use my hands a lot when I speak, yeah. but <laughs> I didn't want to affect the recording, but I'm just so thankful for this opportunity. Uh, thank you so much, Alyssa. Oh. Thank you to our organization for allowing us to do things like this. Yeah. Um, thank you to everybody who listens. Um, yeah, because, we really appreciate Yeah, that. we really appreciate that. Yeah, and, listen. Um, <laughs> and share share this post with your friends or just tell yeah. your friends about Sojourner Truth. Yeah. I don't care if you cite me. Yeah. I don't care if you cite this podcast. Just tell them. And, uh, and if you are interested in the sources I used for this post, um, you can go on our blog. The name escapes me at the moment. It's well, it's Feminist Friday. Okay, um, it's a Feminist Friday. We'll have the link on our Facebook page yep. once it's published,
0: and I'll also be making a page on our just sacus.org okay. website that will link um, under the podcast section to the Feminist Friday blogs, awesome, and podcast episodes. Yeah,
1: so, um, so yeah, if you want to see those sources, absolutely, um, check that out. I'll have those sources listed. Um, uh, comment, tell me what you think, mm-hmm. tell me if I need to maybe check my grammar (laughs) style or something. I'm not a professional writer. But, yeah, once again, just thank you so much for having me.
0: Yeah, thank you. And, of course, as always, um, be sure to check out all of our agency information um, in the podcast details. I will also link um, the website that you mentioned, the Sojourner Truth Project.com awesome. for people. Um, and be sure to read the blog if you're listening and you haven't read the blog yet. Um, and also look out for the next episode coming this fall. Woo. Thanks, Rachel. Thank you.